Hey, how are you doing, friends? Fine. You guys still sleepy from the turkey? So hey, I, I want to start today by telling you a little bit about a, a YouTube video that I saw this week. So sometimes in our family, we like to check out funny YouTube videos. Maybe you've seen this one. There's a YouTube video we discovered where this little girl, probably about two years old, is outside. Um, it's a sunny day, so probably someplace other than Oregon. And uh, she's out there in the street, and all of a sudden her mom, who's videoing her, uh, points out her shadow. And this little, have you seen this video? This little two-year-old girl, she turns around to see her shadow on the ground. And at first she's puzzled and intrigued, but then she decides that she doesn't really like the shadow, that it's a little scary, um, maybe too big for her liking. And so she decides that she's going to back away from her shadow. And you all can understand how that would go. So the shadow continues to follow her. It's attached to her feet. She's kind of doing the, I wish the shadow would get off of me dance, which resembles the potty dance, but a little bit more exaggerated. And so she's panicked about this shadow, and she begins to freak out, have a complete meltdown. And the mother, being the loving mother that she is, just continues to video and laugh <laughs> at this poor kid. But I thought it was a great illustration of how sometimes... In our lives, we're a lot like that, that little girl. Things get out of whack. They get out of balance. Things that should not be a big deal, things that should not impact or affect our lives in significant ways, start to impact and affect our, our lives in ways that they should not. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about how God wants to put those things back into perspective for for you and me. Today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 46. Open your Bibles, turn there. I'm actually going to ask you just to let me read it over you in a minute, but I like it when you pull your Bibles out anyway, so open them up. Uh, as you turn, let me just say this. Do you guys know it's Christmas? It's December. Today is December. Is that freaking anybody out, else out but me? All right, let's do like a CNBC Christmas readiness quiz here real quick. How many have their tree up in their home right now. Oh, wow. It's pretty weak, actually. Um, how many do not? We want to know who we're judging, okay? Um, all right, how many or- Oregonians that are here have a fake tree? How many have a real tree? Yeah, okay, all right. I was just trying to see, you know... Wow, there's not very many trees up, and there's a lot of fake trees in this church. we got some serious evangelism work to do, don't we, Pastor Matt? I guess I better get to preaching. All right, uh, the other night we went downtown, Pioneer Square, 75-foot Christmas tree. You guys been down there? It was amazing. And here's what struck me. Thousands of people are gathered. They're all singing about the birth of Jesus. All these people gathered to celebrate and stand in the cold and cold and sing together about the birth of the Savior of the world. And as we stood there singing and I observed all these folks, one thing struck me. I was reminded that some events are so significant that you can't just talk about them. Some things in, in this life are so huge. Some moments in history are absolutely so enormous there are realities that we encounter so huge that to just speak about them isn't enough and we are implored to sing. Christmas is one of those moments, isn't it? Maybe that's why the birth of Jesus has inspired more music 
over the centuries than any other event in history. Did you know that? More music written about Christmas than any other single event in the history of the world. Not surprising to us, friends. And this morning we're going to look at the original. The very first Christmas carol ever written. It was written over 2,000 years ago in the hill country of Judea by an unwed, virgin, 15-year-old pregnant girl named Mary. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, this is by the way, in response to all that's happened in her life, the angel has come, she spent time with her friend Elizabeth, God has affirmed her faithfulness in believing and trusting what he has told her is going to happen, and Mary responds to this affirmation in this way, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Friends, this is a moment in the life of this young girl where she desperately needs to remember and embrace the enormity of her God. Her life is in a situation and in a place where it's big and bad and bold and overwhelming And she's desperate to remember that God is big enough to see her through. This is a passage that's called the Magnificat. And the Magnificat is a title that comes from the Latin translation of the very first verse in this song. Verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. Think about that for a minute. Think about what Mary says here. My soul magnifies the Lord. The Lord. You see, I believe that phrase, this opening phrase, contains the core message of this entire song. The word magnifies in Greek, it's this word that means to exalt, to glorify, to praise, to lift up, to increase the significance of. It means to declare something or someone as great. It means to magnify or enlarge. You see, when you magnify something, friends, when you magnify something, you give it extraordinary size in your life. It gets this extraordinarily large place in your heart and soul. To to magnify something is to expand that thing's influence on and in your life. When you magnify someone or something, it gets more focus. It gets growing attention. It gets an ever-increasing amount and control of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, actions, and words. What's magnified... In your heart. That's the question we're going to be asking today. And what we read in this passage and what we hear in this song from Mary is that she declares herself to be a God magnifier. She says, 
the thing that is going to have more and more influence in my life, the thing that's going to have more and more, greater and greater control of my thoughts and feelings and emotions and actions and words as I move through this life and in this world is nothing other than God. Mary says this. Mary says, I choose in this song and in this moment to be someone who says, the reality of God in my life is expanded, exalted, and made bigger than any of the other realities that I face. And the question for us today, friends, is this. The question I want you to wrestle with is what about you? Are you a God magnifier? Are you growing in God magnification? Is he getting bigger and bigger and larger and larger in the depths of your soul? Is he bigger than the other realities that you face in your life, big and small? Here's another way of asking it. Here's another way of posing the question to you. Think about this. Is God increasingly the primary determiner of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, Actions, words. Do those things, do those things as they flow out of you and from you, do they come from a place of God being at the center of Him being magnified or some other reality in your life? But before we get to us, I want to back up just for a second. I want to talk about Mary. I want to talk about her and her life for a minute. And I want to pretend this. I want to pretend that this whiteboard behind me represents Mary's life. What are some of the things in Mary's life? What are some of the realities that she's facing? What are some of the feelings she's having? The people she's interacting with? You remember the story, right? She's just been visited by an angel. It's a pretty big moment. It's a pretty startling reality. And she's, got, she's received some news. What's the news? This is kind of a layup, friends. What's the news? Yeah, she's prego. She's pregnant. If this, if this whiteboard represents Mary's life, the fact that she's pregnant is pretty huge. Right? Is that how you spell pregnant? I hope so. Um, what, else, what else is true about Mary? What else is she feeling? What else is she experiencing? Who are the other people in her life right now that have influence over her thoughts, feelings, actions, emotions, words? Yeah, her cousin Elizabeth. She's got a cuz. Cuz Eliz. Let's we'll do that. All right. Joseph. Yeah, she's betrothed to be married, sort of like engaged. She's engaged to this guy. And how he'll respond to this news is a pretty big reality in her life. So Joseph and their relationship and where it's going from here, that's a huge reality for Mary. What else? Yeah, what about her, what about her parents? We don't really hear about them in the story, but what are they going to say? Mom and dad, you know, get the news that their young teenage, not yet married daughter is pregnant. That's going to be a big kind of reveal, and she's probably holding her breath around that. Mom and dad. Mom and dad tend to have a big influence in our lives, and even as we grow, they have kind of impact on how we think and feel and what we say. What else? How about uncertainty? Uncertainty? You, you think she's uncertain? Is there some uncertainty in her life? What else? Scared. Yeah, maybe she's scared. 
A lot of things that could drive her feelings. A lot of things that could potentially be magnified in her right now. Any other ideas? Her community? Yeah, like her town, little town of Nazareth. She's from there. Maybe her friends there. Right? But here's the deal with Mary. So there's all these things we could go on and on, and you guys are not really excited about calling out answers, so I'm just going to move us on. Um, There are all these things that are realities in Mary's life. And yet Mary says this. She says, at the very center, the most predominant, the most significant, the most influential thing in my life, I'm choosing it to be, in this song she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. You know what that means, friends? That means Mary understands this. She understands that in the center of her life is a throne. And she says, on that throne, the throne of lordship, the throne of control, the throne throne of ultimate influence over everything else in my life, the most important thing in my life, the thing that sits on the throne of my soul is God. God has more influence, Mary says, over her life than anything else. And I think, you know, I just want to pause there for a minute and say that's not an easy reality for Mary. Think about how easy it would be to let fear and uncertainty and worry and anxiousness drive her feelings and thoughts and emotions and words. And yet Mary decides, you know what? None of those things are going to ultimately drive my life right now. The driving force in my life the thing that sits on the throne, I'm going to declare, I'm going to sing, I'm going to write, and I'm going to say, is none other than God. God himself. And I guess the question for us, the question that this passage begs of me and you is this. What is it that's being magnified in your soul? If we were to just peel open your chest right now and dig down deep into the depths of who you are, into the core of your thoughts and emotions and feelings and realities. What is the most predominant reality driving your life? What is being magnified in your soul these days? You see, everybody, every single human being has a soul that magnifies something. This is just part of what it means to be human. Your mind wanders to this thing When you have nothing else to think about, your desires get shaped and formed around it, your identity gets tied up in it, your joys and your sorrows seem wrapped up in this one thing. It's the thing that is currently sitting on the throne of your life. It's the thing that has the most impact over your thoughts and feelings and emotions and actions and words. Let's do it this way. Let's, let's back up. Let's pretend that this whiteboard, instead of representing Mary's life, actually represents our lives. My life and your life. Now let's see if you guys can come up with a few more things. What are some things, just feel free to call them out. Nine o'clock actually did pretty well at this. Not that it's a competition, but I am comparing you two. Um, what are some things that are a part of your life? Family, yeah, good one. No wrong answers. 
Yeah, work. Some of you have jobs. All of you put in work someplace, at home or at the office or somewhere. Church, yeah. Everyone in here, church is a part of their life on some level, right? It's an easy one. Church. Say again. Hunting. There we go. That's a brave one to call out. I like it. Be bold. Beyond activities. Money. Money. Yeah. Oh, he said money, not hunting. I just got it. Sorry, a little slow on the uptake up here. Um, Although I'm sure somebody in this room hunts as well. Money is also a good answer, acceptable by the judges upstairs. Yeah, money. And doesn't Jesus say some things about money? He says, yeah, money is going to be a part of your life. It's going to be a part of your reality. And he says, be careful. Because perhaps more than any other thing in your life, money's pretty sneaky, it's pretty slippery. It's going to try to slide on to God's throne. It's going to try to take his place in your life. What else? Reputation. Reputation. That's a great one. Reputation. How many people are driven by the reputation? I might say, um, I'll put it this way, approval. Approval of others. Say again. Fear, yeah, fear. Ego. Self. It's kind of general for the whole thing, but I like it. Pleasure. Yeah. Say again. Pleasure. Happiness. Yes. Health or the lack thereof, right, is an important reality that all of us deal with constantly. Yeah, community. School. Pets. Who are you? My wife loves you now. Good job. Government. Yeah, government. <laughs> You're just baiting me right now. Whoever that was, that's not nice. No. Yeah, how about how about football in Oregon? I'm not ready to declare yet. I'm not ready for half of you to judge me. Okay. Yeah, football in Oregon. That's a good game. Home. Friends. What about hopes and dreams? Dreams. Yeah, ministry. Stuff. It's good. How about hobbies? That covers a lot. How about (laughs) hunting? I will not put that down. All right. How about, how about, how about kids? Anyone have kids? Are they a part of your life? Or grandkids? Yeah, there you go. Music, significance. Put that up here by. Say? Eternity. Oh. Eternity. How about future? There you go. Alcohol, drugs, 
TV? How about girlfriends and boyfriends? Do we have spouses on here? None of you chose spouses yet? Wow. I want to point it out for the record that I came up with that one, hon. Spouses. A huge part. Yeah, technology. Okay, I'm going to cut you off because you guys are having way too much fun now. And this is church. Okay. Oh, yeah, finally, I was going to say, and who are we missing? Right, we're missing God. Okay, same question for you as we have for Mary. At the, in the middle of every single one of our lives, something is magnified above all else. Something is sitting in the Lord throne. Right? That's my best attempt at a throne. You like my throne? Kind of a big swooping back. Yeah, there's my big throne. Who wants to be on that throne? Who deserves to be on that throne? Who's supposed to be on that throne? Yeah, God is supposed to be on that throne. Jesus is Lord. He wants to be the ultimate driving force in your life. He wants everything else in your life should be subservient to God in your life. But here's the truth. Here's the truth about you and here's the truth about me. Every single thing on that board, every single reality in your life is competing to try, this is part of sin nature, this is a part of what it means to be a fallen human being, is competing to try and steal this throne from God. And sometimes it's really easy to spot. Sometimes we see those things happening and we know right away it's bad. We know it's a bad thing. Some of you have watched someone let alcohol or drugs slip onto the throne of their life and become the most predominant reality to them. The thing that drives their emotions and thoughts and feelings and joy and happiness and satisfaction. And alcohol actually becomes the Lord of their life, master. And we all know that's a bad thing, don't we? You know what's more dangerous than that sometimes? When people take something that's seemingly good and they slip it onto the throne. What about when a spouse gets put on the throne? Or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or kids, or grandkids. Or what if, what if you have a dream? There's a dream that you have, something you've wanted and longed for for so long, and that thing, it gets put on the throne of your life. It is the number one factor. It is the thing that drives your, your, your attitudes, your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts, your words. What happens when anything other than God gets put on the throne of your life. Do you know what that's called, friends? Do you know what it's called when anything other than God sits on the throne of your life? There's a word for it. Idolatry. It's idolatry, friends. This is what we do. You see, there's this constant battle, by the way. Constant battle. Sometimes we have this idea that as Christians, as once you become a Christian, once you declare I'm a follower of Jesus and you say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then from that day forward, Jesus has been my Lord since I was 14 years old. False. He may have been your Lord a lot of that time, but I promise you, I promise you there have been moments when other things have slipped in. Sometimes they just slip in real quick, real sneakily, and they just on there for just a second. They just rob Jesus of that throne for just a few moments. Let me give you an example from my life. A few days ago, 
I was downstairs in my family room and I noticed that the vertical blinds in my home weren't quite right. They're kind of sagging, they're hanging down, they weren't fastened to the wall real well, and they were dragging on the floor. Anyone here ever have vertical blinds? Isn't it annoying when they drag on the floor because then they don't spin right and they don't sit right and they're never quite... So I just decided, you know what, I've had enough of it, I need to fix these vertical blinds. So all of a sudden, vertical blinds made an entrance (laughs) onto the stage of my life. I didn't really want them on my life, but they showed up all of a sudden. And in the process of trying to fix these vertical blinds, I broke one of the little twisty things that makes them... And now all... And just imagine how frustrating this is. Feel my pain for just a minute. All the blinds are rotating together when you pull the little thing. Foop, 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 foop. Except for one in the middle. One stinking blind. Am I allowed to say stinking here? Is that okay? One... I'm saying it anyway. One stinking blind would not shut. And in an instant, friends, the thing... That was driving my thoughts, feelings, emotions, attitudes, actions, and even, I'll confess to you, words, was no longer God. Vertical blinds had kicked God off the throne of your pastor's life. And before you judge me, I'll just say this to you. This has happened to a lot of you in traffic. Traffic is on this list because it's a part of your reality. It's a reality in your life. If you live in Portland, it just is. And here's how it's gone. It's gone for you. I know some of you have experienced it just this way. You've got up in the morning early with that first alarm. No snooze button today. You brewed some coffee. There's no one in the kitchen or out in the living room. And you got your Bible or your phone or your iPad. And you sat down with your coffee. You were going to spend some time with God. And you were going to get in the Word. And today was going to be a day where you decided right from the very beginning, God was going to be on the throne. Today He's going to be on the throne. Today I'm going to do 1 Peter 3.15 and I'm going to set apart Christ as Lord in my heart. God, you're going to be Lord today. And you read the Word and you got with God. And you said, Lord, drive my actions and my thoughts and my feelings and meet me in every single circumstance all day. Today, be Lord. And then after that, you got dressed for work and you got in the car and, you know, maybe even threw in your favorite worship CD just because you're feeling extra spiritual. So you threw it in and you're driving down the road and you're listening, you know. Bless the Lord. Maybe even had a hand in the air as you, bless the Lord. You don't care if the people next to you are watching. You're just like, I'm unabashedly saying, oh my soul. And you merge onto the freeway when that silver Subaru cuts you off. (laughs) And all of a sudden, just like that, right in the middle of your worship, the silver Subaru has more impact on your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions and the words coming out of your mouth, even though you're in the car with the doors closed. We know what you're saying. And the silver Subaru has slipped on to the throne of your life. Friends, that's kind of a generic example. But some of you, some of you deal with this on more of an ongoing basis. Some of you are in marriages that are hard. And that reality is constantly threatening this throne. Some of you have health conditions that you face in an ongoing basis. And that reality is constantly threatening what is driving your life and what's at the very center. Some of you have living situations that you don't like. Here's one of mine, friends. I'll go a a layer deeper for you. Right here. Approval. 
If I'm not careful, what other people think about me, what they say about me, what they say when they talk about my sermons, will slide right down and nestle up right next to God on this throne. And pretty soon, the most important thing in my life, the driving factor of how I'm doing in any given moment or on any given day will be what people are saying about the sermon I preached three days ago. That is a battle I have to fight constantly. Some of you have that same battle with alcohol or drugs or a person in your life or a relationship that you're in. Friends, this morning I want to talk about three things that Mary does in this song that I believe will keep God on the throne of your life in that magnification seat all by himself. The first one is this. Mary understands what it is in her life that is vying for the magnification seat against God. Mary knows herself pretty well. She understands her situation. She understands her realities. She understands where she's tempted. She understands for her what it is that she might slip onto this throne instead of God. Do you know yourself that well? Do you know in your life, because you know your life's different than mine. Maybe some of your things aren't on this list. Maybe they are. Do you know in your life what it is that you have a tendency to want to put on this throne in place of the living God? Is it a person? Is it an addiction? Is it a hobby? Is it golf? Is it... No, it's not? Okay, I'm glad. Is it, is it sports center? Is it one of your kids or grandkids? Is it a hurt that you've suffered? What is the reality in your life? What are the realities in your life? Because the truth is, is you've got more than one. What are the realities in your life that you are most tempted to stick on that seat? Friends, if you don't know, if you don't know, if you're drawing a blank right now, let me just tell you this. Ask your spouse, ask your friends, because they know. And it'll be really easy to find out. Just have a serious conversation. This isn't a flippant conversation to have. This is a conversation to have real seriously and real tenderly. But just say, what is it in my life that I'm tempted to worship and magnify and make most important in place of God? And the people closest to you, they'll be able to tell you. Mary understands in this moment that there are some things in her life, there are some realities that she is facing that could very easily slide in and take over this lordship throne for her. And so she's careful. She knows, she knows, she's aware of her own temptations. Number two, know what it would look like. Know what it would look like, know what your life would look like in any given, any given situation, especially in the situations where you're most tempted, for God to stay firmly planted by himself in this seat. What does it look like for you to run into the silver Subaru guy and instead of letting him slide in and take that spot for you, keep God right here? 
What kind of attitude and actions and emotions and feelings happen in you when God stays right in that place? How does God, what does it look like for God to stay right in that place when you're at work? Maybe at work, maybe work is a place where you're tempted to let God just slide right off the throne. What does it look like to leave God on the throne at work? Attitudes, actions, thoughts, feelings, words. What does it look like for God to be on the throne in your marriage? What does it look like for God to be on the throne in your parenting? What does it look like for God to be on the throne when you think about your hobbies or your dreams or your life or any given situation? What does it look like? Get a real clear picture of what it looks like to keep God where he's supposed to be. Because if you don't know what it's supposed to look like, how can you live it? Know what tempts you. Know what it's supposed to look like. And finally, truth number three, and this is maybe the most significant thing we see Mary do as she sings this song. She never, she never tries to diminish the stuff on her, in her life, the stuff on her whiteboard, does she? She never, you never hear Mary saying stuff like, oh, you know what? That whole pregnancy thing, that won't be that hard. Ah, being mom to the son of God, piece of cake. How hard can it be? You know, the kid just knows everything. You never hear her diminishing or lessening or putting down the struggles, the opportunities, the other realities in her life. Instead of putting those things down, she does not do that. What does she do instead? She lifts up the Lord. She magnifies and makes God bigger. Eight times in this song, friends, eight different times, Mary sings these words, He, and He is God, He has. He has. He has regarded. He has done. He has scattered. He has done. He has put down and filled and sent out and helped. Mary works really hard to remember who God is and what He's done. And then the tenor of this song shifts from the past to the present, from he has to he is. And then it shifts from the present to the future, from he is to he will. Mary lets the truth of who God has been and is in her life drive and dictate who she claims him to be in the future. You see, Mary's problems never shrink. Belittling or minimizing your problems or your struggles or the other realities in life that you face, that does not work. They're big things. Work is a big thing. Fear is a big thing. Church is a big thing. Don't minimize these things. Just make your God bigger. Magnify your God. So that the other realities in your life look appropriately sized. Magnify God in your life so that the things that are tempted to get real big don't look so big anymore. You see, friends, when you magnify God, when He gets big in your life, when He gets highlighted and put on this throne, problems look a lot different. Fears, they get less intimidating. Worries get smaller. The future seems less daunting. Relational issues no longer seem so hopeless. Remember how big your God is. Declare it and sing it. Do you understand, church, that that's what we do when we worship? 
When we gather together and sing these songs, it's not just for fun. It's not just a sing-along. Like trying to warm you up for the message so you don't fall asleep. No! It's our opportunity, friends, to sing like Mary, to declare like Mary, to state our God is huge! He's amazing! He's awesome! He's glorious! Does your soul, like my soul, need to be reminded of that sometimes? It's so that when you walk out of this place, and you walk back into your realities and your lives and these big, scary, overwhelming things, you've got a big God with you. So next time we sing, don't treat it as a sing-along. Don't, you know what I don't like? Can I just, can I take two seconds on this? Pastor Pet Peeve. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I hate it when we sing songs, like big, awesome, powerful worship songs. We sang Bless the Lord of My Soul a few weeks ago. And I'm looking around and people are like, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. What? I told Pastor Matt and Pastor Josh in my office, remember that? We had this meeting. And I was like, I wish people would get into it. And, and Matt says, well, what do you mean? I'm like, it's like, it's a huge song. It's like ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. This is God. Remind your heart, remind your soul of who He is. It'll put everything else in your life into perspective. Friends, that's why we here at Cedar Mill Bible Church, we believe in coming together around the Lord's Supper every week. This is this discipline we have, this moment where we, we take the bread and we take the juice and we remember and we declare and we magnify through these tangible elements in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls, who God is and what He's done. So here's what I want you to do today. Here's what I'm inviting you to do this morning. The band's going to come. They're going to close us with a worship song. The communion tables are going to open. Before you come, spend a few minutes with God and ask Him this. Lord, what is it in my life that's competing with you for magnification in my soul? What, what is the one thing right now, or what are the couple things in my life that are, that are trying to get on that magnification throne in the depths of my heart? God, show me and reveal to me what's competing with you. And then, after He's shown you, after you've thought of one or two of those things, you come and you declare to your soul, my God is bigger, my God is stronger, my God is more powerful. Get off His throne. Even the grave could not hold Him. Father, thank you for the power of your love, that it overwhelms every other reality, that this little baby boy inside of Mary's womb overwhelms every single reality we can have or ever will face. Thank you, Lord, for putting our lives into perspective. Thank you for for giving us favor and love and grace and mercy and hope and peace in such an amazing way that it puts everything else in our life into perspective. God, be glorified in this time. Show us and reveal to us the things we need to see about ourselves. And then as we receive these elements, may they remind us of who you are and what you've done. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.